0: rely on, on X Hunt when I'm hunting turkeys it is an invaluable turkey hunting tool oh 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 all right I just run a hoodie. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So, before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug bitten, and in my case, underwearless. the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Okay, man. First and foremost, before this program starts, go to however you listen to this podcast. Go on there and give the podcast a super good five-star review. Or as high as the stars go, just go all the way to the right and click, click the rightmost star so that you get all the stars. And then also while you're there, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. What happens then is you don't need to go messing around every week. Getting it just comes to you. It's good for you. It's good for us. And go to TheMeatEater.com. Check out the store. We got all kinds of branded First Light apparel and solids and camo, bitching hats, shirts you can also go and get the show notes for the podcast where if we're talking about books music ideas research studies hunting info fishing info it's all there in the show notes so if you if we're talking about something and you're like man i wish i knew what they were talking about or i wish i could find that book go there and you'll find the book yeah you could also read
1: the weekly blog pieces that are often written by brody henderson our man
0: brody henderson who's often on this show sometimes by you he has a very relaxed casual tone on this show so do all that stuff and get it taken care of right away and now for the show uh dirt i noticed you're running like a like a like a chew that has a little package around it, like a skull bandit Mm -hmm. What that is yeah why uh why not the normal kind of just where the little grit pieces get all over your teeth
2: Just keep it classy in this nice B&B.
0: Is that why? Well, too, I don't have to spit as much. But you're spitting into that that juice bottle? Yeah. (laughs) What gets me is... It's just just disgusting, man. He's chewing gum,
1: chewing chew,
0: and (laughs) spitting in a bottle while trying to talk.
1: Is that nicotine
0: gum? No. (laughs) No. One of my favorite stories of Dirts is he had a a girlfriend um, down in Arkansas, and he was down there spitting all over the yard. Visit her family and the old man took him aside tell yep. that story dirt
2: well they were more liberal people who were barefoot most of the time you
0: don't think conservatives go barefoot these guys i have a lot of conservative views and i like going barefoot in my
2: yard you wouldn't like stepping on wet grass right then either that's this guy didn't didn't like me spitting where he was stepping
0: but i don't think that has a that's not a function of his uh that's not a function of his of his politics no I'm that's saying. true they were, they were. Do you hit. think that, like, a conservative would be like, Yeah, man, one thing I like is walking and chew spit. <laughs> no, that's true. I do think politics influence people. For like, you know, I've brought many times is that that um, being gluten intolerant seems to be a left wing ailment. Yeah. But I don't think wa- <laughs> a, a lack of a desire to walk around and chew spit is, is part of the political polarization. That's true. It was
2: they were right on telling
0: me not to do that. So They're right wing.
2: Oh you mean they were correct? They were correct, yes, yeah, so I stopped. I'd spit out on the back forty instead. You'd take a little walk, yeah and spit over the fence. Over the high grass area. That was courteous. Yeah.
0: Um Dirk, did you know that uh you know what the word Ursus means?
2: I know the uh constellation, Ursus Minor.
0: Yeah. Okay. Ursus is the bear family.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know that.
0: Did you know that of the that the the Ursus with the greatest distribution is the brown bear slash grizzly bear? No, I believe yeah. it though. Yeah, because you know Eurasia, right? Oh, the Northern connection. North America yeah. just has the widest distribution of any bear. There's many versions of it. Yeah. Now, it's, you know, they used to call the grizzly bear Ursus horribilis, which is bad PR. Because what's, yeah, horrible. the Linnaean name. Yeah. Yeah. So when you get like a Linnaean name, you have, I feel like we talked about this before. A Linnaean name, like the Latin name, right, is from Linnaeus. And Linnaeus came up with the way we name animals. So the domestic dog is, you know, Canis familiaris, right? That's its Linnaean name. Uh, we are Homo sapien, so self aware human, self aware hominid. Um, I don't think we have covered this. We haven't no, covered Linnaean? No, I'm glad we, we are. Are we Homo sapien sapien? Well, yeah. See, that's like, that's when things have a, that's called trinomial nomenclature. So the brown bear slash grizzly bear is Ursus arctos, but there's Ursus arctos arctos. Or some people, like, like take, take, take the American bison or American buffalo. There, is, there used to be this idea that we had bison, 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 which was the plains animal, and then bison, bison, Athabasca, which was the wood buffalo of the boreal forest. And we used to just make, the, you know, these determinations were made oftentimes by morphological differences. So you would look and, like, let's look at the structure of an animal, the visual appearance of an animal, and draw distinctions. But then once we started getting, once genetics got involved, it started showing us that things that we thought, that measured by that parameter, by the genetic markers, things that we thought were very similar, some things we thought were very similar, are in fact not similar at all They just happen to like accidentally arrive at a place where they kind of look the same right and like an extreme version would be birds fly and dragonflies fly so someone would go like they must be closely related but in fact they came to flight through very different paths okay so there you have a thing where like um convergent evolution so yeah, like ideas about convergent and divergent evolution. But in those cases, it's like there's similar, There's similar things that we would see and someone would be like, oh, they're similar because they both blank. But we realized that that doesn't denote like a close relatedness. So genetics dispelled some of those misunderstandings, but it also showed us that some things that we thought were very different are in fact very close together. Like for instance, that the, the ABC islands in Alaska, Admiralty Baranoff and what's that chick? I can't remember the name. Yeah, I can't remember. It's Admiralty Island, Baranoff Island, and then uh, the Sea Island. They're together there. The polar bears, that those, okay, those bears on that island are like Ursus Arctos, okay? So they're like coastal brown bears. We'll get more into this in a second. Chickagoff. Chickagoff Island. Chickagoff Island, I think is how they pronounce it. Chicha, yeah. There's there's CH in both places. Oh. All right, so that one. Anyway, polar bears are... Are a recent offshoot of Ursus arctos. So, polar bears are, if you just from a genetic perspective, polar bears aren't, are almost like a cousin of, or almost like a clade of brown bears. And polar bears are very closely related to the brown bears of the ABC Islands, even though those brown bears tend to be darker. Than other brown bear, grizzly bears, in other parts of the world. So coloration—if you're like, oh, they're—you know, like you, you might look and be like, okay, the 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 in, the bears of interior North Alaska, so the grizzlies of the Brooks Range, are tend to be blonde. So someone might be like, oh, so the, if if polar bears are a shoot off of grizzly brown bears, I would imagine they're a shoot off of those very blonde ones that are already in the Arctic on the north slope of the Brooks Range when, in fact, those bears are not tightly related, as tightly related to polar bears as are the brown bears of the ABC Islands. Now, where was I going from there? Oh, so another added thing of that is this is the point I was trying to get at because I'm trying to go way deep. Now, I'm going to talk about a grizzly bear semi-attack, but I'm, gonna go, I'm going way deep because here's the thing. I just want to clarify a point that brown bears and grizzly bears are all ursus arctos we used to have we used to have this idea that we had all these different subspecies of bears all right so we had like the kodiak brown bear which are the the biggest ones in the world um then you have like polar bears which is their own thing arctis maritimus or something like the arctis maritimus something like that like marine bear um is is regarded as a different species, though very closely related. And then you have like the grizzly bears of the lower 48 and interior northern Canada. Those are all one species. And the way they talk about it in genetics is they talk about it being clades. So rather than subspecies, they now talk about clades or like genetic groupings of bears that are all kind of the same thing. But in hunting lingo, and Ram, you'll be able to chime in on this. Okay. In hunting lingo... When someone says a brown bear, what they're referring to is a coastal grizzly of Alaska. Correct. But now I've
3: always understood, though, grizzly bears are brown bears, but not all brown bears are referred to as grizzly bears. See what I'm saying? A, a, A brown bear is a grizzly. So grizzly can be a brown bear or a grizzly. But you can't call a brown bear a grizzly because it's completely...
0: Like you're saying, if you were in Wyoming, you would not be able to say, hey, I saw a brown bear. Or you would be able to say, I saw a brown bear.
3: No, but a grizzly is a brown bear. A brown bear is not a grizzly. The word grizzly is a delineation of where they live. Yes. So so you would be incorrect saying a grizzly on Kodiak Island.
0: By, okay, but but, but what, yes. If we're t- if we're switching to hunting lingo okay then yes but even normal lingo no yeah it's just they're brown bears correct yeah we're talking yeah so yeah I, I think that if you yeah if you're talking like in, in Linnaean like scientific lingo it would be that a, a, a grizzly, grizzly is, is a form brown of brown bear correct
3: yes yes but just to clarify because people yep. always get that confused is like well is a brown bear a brown bear is not a coastal grizzly yes a grizzly is an inland
0: brown bear yes it doesn't go both ways that's not yeah that's what i'm trying to get to okay yes at, at this point so that that's that's a good clarification like if you want to go read about the whole broad general family of 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 these types of bears of ursus arctos correct that is you would bear. begin the top of the funnel right we we're talking about the funnels earlier yep the top of the funnel would be brown bears yep and then from there you will find your way into the, the the Himalayan brown bear, the 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 interior Rocky Mountains grizzly bears. These are all classifications yes. of brown bears. Of brown bears, yeah. So, but in like in in the way we in the way that hunting type dudes use the term now, when we're talking about a grizzly, we're talking about a a grouping of brown bears that that do not live in coastal environments and do not have access to salmon. Correct. They're not exploiting marine resources. Yes. They are in the interior. Those bears tend to be to have a grizzled appearance. They tend to be silvery, blonde, lighter, and your coastal bears tend to be coastal brown bears tend to be darker brown. Yeah, Running to chocolate. The bears, the the largest of this whole group of bears, which are many and varied from Romania and the Himalaya, all over the damn place, the largest ones live on uh, the Kodiak Archipelago. Yeah. Yeah, which includes a Fognac Island. A Fognac,
3: Raspberry, Kodiak.
0: And, and those some bears, minor islands. Did we talk around. about this the other day? And the Alaska Peninsula.
3: And Yeah, and the Peninsula.
0: Did we talk about this the other day that those bears, the bears on Kodiak and Afognak and Raspberry have been genetically isolated for 10,000 years? Did we cover this? Did we did that. touch it, yeah. yeah. Okay. So they've been off doing their own, on their own vibe for a long time. Yeah. Big mofos. Very big mofos. As my son would say. <laughs> No bad mofos he doesn't know what a mofo actually spells out to you but he knows that there are animals that are counted as bad mofos um uh, that's, i'm just laying a little unnecessary groundwork for 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 what's going to come next uh now where we left off on the last episode we were fixing to do some elk hunting on a fog neck, and just as a primer like if you watch television you'll know certain television shows after every commercial break they they out of a courtesy, as a courtesy to the viewer, and also as a cu- courtesy to their budget, spend some minutes just recapping what they covered a moment ago, which saves them money in production and also, like, gives you keeps you up to speed if you're just joining the program. We, uh, me and Remy Warren drew some elk tags on a fog island, and a fog island is just separated from Kodiak Island by a narrow strait.
3: I remember the name now kapernikov strait kapernikov Kapern- that might not be the exact pronunciation but you yep. so, and raspberry strait
0: yeah a lot of stuff out here has a ruski name a russian
3: yeah, name. russian name and yeah. then there's Shelikov, which is the big more open ocean between the mainland that's the rough real rough seas there
0: yeah and since we did a real clumsy uh and since we did a real clumsy recap of uh of general bear uh taxonomy let's do a real clumsy recap of uh coastal alaska history now, the, uh, the Russians were real heavy, worked real heavy in this area. And they were in the, you know, they, they would use this area for fur trading. So um, seal, and they'd come in here primarily targeting sea otters or buying sea otters from indigenous hunters, um, whaling, all that kind of stuff. And then we bought it, uh, you know, Seward bought it for like five bucks. And people were real mad at the time that he got ripped off, and turned out he would got himself into a gold mine. Um, so that's how this place came into U.S. ownership. It wasn't five bucks, but he got a it screaming was, yeah, deal. Real deal. I'm, I'm being uh, I'm being extreme here in, in my uh, in my assessments of what he paid for it. But yeah, he got a screaming deal on it. People were kind of pissed. They called it Seward's folly. Thought he got ripped, but in the end, I mean, he the guy did a great turn for his country.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so in some of the areas in coastal Alaska, there's like still kind of a, a, a Russian influence in names, you, you notice. In this area in particular, there's a lot of Russian names in this area from the long...
3: Even the airport, English and Russian.
0: Is it really? Yep. Okay. All the signs. Uh, now, so we drew these, 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 these elk tags. Now, a Afognak Island does not traditionally have elk. And the elk, they captured, I think, 19 or 20 calves in the early decades of the 1900s from the olympic peninsula when i'm in my bedroom looking out of my bedroom window i'm looking at descendants or i'm looking at the home range the former home range of the elk that now live on a fog net. yeah and they did two releases one of the releases was just calves which you think would have just gotten wiped the fact that that worked is mind-boggling
3: yeah i can't that just seems like, oh, hey, what's this? Yeah, yeah without dinner. some like
0: old boss cow, right? Yeah. Without some boss cow who's got some background in dealing with bears, it's just surprising that they could have lived. And it wasn't even that many. It, it was eight Roosevelt elk calves wow. captured on the Olympic Peninsula of Washington State in 1928. And then they, they didn't even cut them loose till 29, so they somehow kept the sons of bitches alive for a year, turned them loose on that hellhole. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing they had going for them is a familiar terrain. Like right. dank, wet, just dank, nasty. wet, nasty. Exactly. Is the the, penin- the
3: Olympic Peninsula is pretty steep too, isn't Doggy, it? I mean, it goes man. from sea level straight up. Dude, it's vicious. Yeah,
0: it's viciously steep, viciously thick. Guys that can go, you know, guys that can routinely go in there on public ground and kill elk. Oh yeah, in coastal coastal Washington. Pat yourself think, on the back. Yeah, it's like I haven't done it once i haven't i haven't even given it a shot i haven't been there that long and haven't really given it much haven't given it any shot yet but i've known enough to know that a dude who can consistently fill an elk tag in coastal washington on public ground is a hunter's hunter oh yeah
2: bad mofo yeah
0: a bad mofo that's consistently doing that jason phelps he cut his teeth on that. the game call maker jason phelps that's his world man so the fact that like that him and his buddies like do it is testament to it's just it's just like nothing like you end up on some glass and tit like spying on elk and then sneaking nah. over and getting them you're just in there shaking hands with them yeah for those dudes like you know the whole like 60 yard pin it's like if you're getting a shot it's 10 yards yeah top pin yeah you don't you can't you don't see need the rest there. anyhow so they got these elk from there kidnapped them i got a question Laid on me
2: it may be premature
3: i oh, was a chair
0: um but
2: did those, the elk that got relocated to Fognac, have have their size and, like, general demeanor paralleled the native Olympia, Olympic Peninsula
0: elk? That's a great question, Dirt. I'm glad you asked it. Uh, Roosevelt elk are the biggest of the elk. Now, Rem, you can answer size. this. Body size. Or just size. body size. So, what you, so you have, for elk, man, this is turning into a taxonomy yeah. episode, <laughs> for elk from hunting perspective elk or elk they all got the same damn Linnaean name but we break them up um uh we, we break them up into different classifications they're definitely not subspecies but classifications rocky mountain tule roosevelt yeah and i guess now
3: i could and be Tule's wrong these
0: live in like two places
3: yeah well calif yeah coastal california
0: the valley right yeah
3: well yeah from like bishop to the coast but and then there's um
0: Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at eater. but you got to use the promo code MEATEATER. That's promo code MeatEater, okay, at TWC.health slash Eater. Spring is a great time to do something with your family. Do some spring cleaning, which I kind of started today outside, planning outdoor activities, which I'm always doing, taking a little trip to Hawaii with your kids for spring break, which I just did, which was great. You know what else you can do for your family this spring? You can shop for life insurance with Policy Genius. Make that part of your financial planning for the year. I've said it before a thousand times. I'll say it again. When my wife and I, when we started having kids, we got serious about life insurance and man, I felt so much better after we did with policy genius. You can find life insurance policies that start at just 292 bucks per year It's policygenius.com. The single most valuable tool I have for chasing turkeys next to my scatter gun is the Onyx Hunt app. If I'm hunting turkeys, I'm using OnX. If I'm not hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. I'm always using OnX. I live by that stuff. I can't tell you the number of birds this app has put me on by allowing me to easily find new areas to hunt. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. Even properties I know super well. I'm at my buddy Bubbly Doug's house. I'm using Onyx, and I've hunted this place a million times. With their compass mode, I can pinpoint exactly on the map where a gobble rang out from and then figure out the perfect spot to set up. Meaning, if I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at Bubbly Doug's I'm in the navel, and I hear, pow, I'll like instinctively pull up Bubbly Doug's place on, on X and I'll look at the topography and I'll be like, oh, that sucker must be over in that little opening over there. Waypoints also, and the ability to share them. Okay. Comes in handy every spring. Whether that's revisiting old waypoints where I've been on birds before or sharing them to buddies to help put them on birds. This app will help you find more turkeys. On X Hunt has a special offer for you too. Use code ME EATER to receive twenty percent off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this turkey season. Manitoba Note
3: yeah okay. and I they may have been larger than Roosevelt's, but now currently Roosevelt's. Yeah, because
0: what was the native elk of like Michigan
3: and Wisconsin? Pro- I don't, probably Manitoba. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not positive because those reintroduction
0: efforts were all done with Rocky Mountains. Yeah, So I think correct. that elk was probably it was probably large it was extirpated. Yeah. Man, a lot of, like... Yanni, are you on this fact-checking, man? I am. You can also... Or are you, like, you shopping? Cannot, you can also throw
1: in... He's doing Amazon fresh orders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I He's re- like, geez,
1: right? Really bananas, are, wanna- bananas are that expensive right now? <laughs> I really want to get my new uh, sand volleyball court lines. I've been, I've been pricing those out. <laughs>
0: So, you got um, your backlog down fact checking, Giannis. No, to-
1: Merriam elk, you could also throw in there. Um, Manitoban, uh, as Remy said, Eastern elk. Um, oh. I'd have to dive a little bit farther to see what they think is still alive
0: or not. Yeah, I got But you. the
3: main species are the Tool, the Rocky Mountain, and the Roosevelt. Yeah. The Roosevelt on- are the largest bodied. Rocky Mountain are the largest antlers. And just in configuration and size, I would say the Tool elk are the smallest body. And their antlers grow more like a red deer, which is a crowned effect at the tops. Just to get a picture,
0: yeah. Now, just to make, just so people, just so listeners don't think we're dumb for not knowing all the answers here. A lot of the answers are unresolved. For instance, for instance, of all the types of bighorn sheep, there used to be an idea that there was also the Audubon bighorn, and the Audubon bighorn was in eastern Montana in the Dakota Badlands. Okay. And it had been shot out by miners and killed out by the introduction of domestic sheep and and through disease introductions from domestic sheep. Now there's questions of like, is the Audubon sheep, was it legitimately its own sheep or was it just a Rocky Mountain? So when you get into all this taxonomic stuff, it's like, there used to be like a set of understandings that is just getting that is getting eroded by inputs of new information like for a, at a time i think that people talked about 34 types of caribou or some crazy thing like that and now that list has been greatly reduced to now all caribou and reindeer of north america, europe and asia are now regarded as the same species different clades of the same species from a genetic perspective. So where were we? Oh, yeah. So they take these calves from the Olympic Peninsula and cut them loose out there, and then they do another introduction, and eventually that herd on a fog neck gets built up. You might go like, well, why would you go and turn a bunch of animals that don't belong somewhere loose somewhere? And that's a great question because it's a practice that we were engaged in very heavily in the early 1900s that we're not engaged in now you would never get the green light now to go and establish a population of elk on an island where they were not native because the fear would be that you were going to upset a delicate ecological balance but in the early 1900s and prior to that in other places there was just this idea that all animals should just be everywhere that, they, that it would kind of work particularly big game animals so on Kodiak they cut loose black-tailed deer, which are not native there they cut loose mountain goats, which are not native there, they cut loose elk on neighboring a Fognac which are not native there as well as, as
3: reindeer, they call them reindeer because they yep. were a domestic herd that ended up just becoming feral
0: yeah. So caribou. So you would never like you would never in a million years get to go ahead to do that now. No. Buffalo but A lot of it too
3: it, Yes. <laughs> a lot of it too, I think, has to do with the way if you if you lived on Kodiak Island during this time when they introduced these animals, you're looking around, you're going, Well, this is a land of plenty, but there's not a lot of red meat running around. Yeah. There's bears and there's fish. And there is no way to get food to kodiak island yeah so everywhere else in alaska you can set up a settlement and you can go shoot a moose you can go shoot a but it, you're going to get sick of eating brown bear meat i would imagine yeah so they sick release these it yeah, sick from sick it, from it. <laughs> so they release these animals primarily as a food source to get people that come here and go oh yeah i can live off the land here i'll start a settlement and i'll raise a family and i'll do whatever and we'll make yeah, the but, the, mind but, but you're, you're,
0: you're acting like I'm making a value judgment.
3: No, no, no. I'm just saying, oh, I'm just The rationale. Adding, yeah, the rationale of, like, why then it was even thought of.
0: Yeah. Now, okay, let me lay this one on you. Because you're, you're like a... You, you've, you're you at this point a news... For, for an American, you're an expert on New Zealand. Right. As far as Americans go. I'm not talking okay. about... Okay. Yeah. New Zealand, when they were doing all these introductions... They were they were doing introductions earlier there than they are here, yeah. than they were here. But there was committees called familiar, like familiar familiarization committees. Yeah, who whose goal it'd be like sort of the equivalent of a conservation group today, called the familiar familiarization committee, I believe. Whose goal was to establish the fauna of Europe into New Zealand to make it more like home. Yeah.
3: So, when you're in the park and you see a red squirrel run by, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense.
0: So, it was like people just back then were into, yeah, for, for all kinds of motivations. We're into, like, why not have more game animals on the land? Sounds good to me. The funny thing about it to me is that you would never get it to go today. Probably not. Because now you need to establish that it was present and was extirpated. By human causes in order to do in order to do and we don't do introductions we do reintroductions if you can establish that it was historically present and wiped out by people this wouldn't fit though during the pleistocene there was an elk in interior alaska but they cut them loose here because like why not why not have more meat on the ground what's funny about it to me is that you have those those introductions that occurred and they manage them in perpetuity even though they would never get the green light to establish it now so they're like well they're here now now we're going to manage it in a conservative fashion like they don't want them to explode in numbers and they're able to control the valve through how many hunting permits they issue yeah, yeah. um so inadvertently i think i now believe they made the most difficult elk hunting on the planet <laughs> um by cutting these elk loose on a fognac island yeah. if i could go back in time i would find the guy that came up with that idea and i would punch him in the face yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where we left we were fixing to do some hunting and it, would, it was foggy um you couldn't see shit right and rainy rainy and foggy yeah Miserable camping conditions. Horrible. At times, miserable camping conditions. But Remy had done the hunt before on a fog knack and we were kind of like following our hunt plan was to mimic Remy's previous hunt plan. Yeah. Like Remy's just like I don't I can't tell you what's gonna happen, I don't really know. If it works like it worked before, um and we can find them in a valley I found him in, it's just gonna come down to will we get a chance to like have a look. yeah Will the weather cooperate? If the weather cooperates, it's not gonna be. It's not gonna be that it's a challenging hunt. It's just a challenging like set of experiences. Yes, right. Because you've got to get
3: through the shitty weather to get to the point where you can shoot one. Then you have to get that one that you shoot back to camp, mm-hmm. and the terrain lends itself very poorly. To easily getting back yeah. to camp.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no
3: two ways about it. It sucks walking through. Yeah, It looks nice. You could watch the episode and say, ah, that lo- I would make it there in an hour. <laughs> Not Four <true>. hours later, <laughs> you're going to be slogging through stuff really <laughs> discouraged. Well, yeah. we,
0: we can put some numbers to it. It took us five hours to travel 2.7 miles. Yeah, the way the crow flies. Two point seven miles as the, yeah, so yeah. two point to cover two point seven miles as the crow flies. Just you know, with your travel route deviating from that straight line from just from topographical features. Took five hours to travel that.
2: Not dilly dallying. And that no, was that's
0: like, like that's that's hard hiking. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. F- hiking straight for five hours yeah. straight not
1: doing
3: it what very, Doug
0: Duran refers to as jimmy dickin
1: yeah, yeah. No, we, jimmy were just, dickin. we were it just it very well could be double the actual distance
3: yeah easily well i think yeah i don't think double but you can't you can't there's no such thing as walking a straight line no and there's some major climbing involved in between and that major climbing i just the way that brush is i feel like it's it's very similar to walking through knee deep snow, yeah, or I was that. Yeah. boot high snow, the amount of energy, you've yeah, going through that. I
4: think yeah. it's even worse because, like, if you get if you get into a situation where the the tall grass or like the alders grab your leg, then you trip and you don't have that in snow, you know. So like you're expending energy trying to keep yourself up when like the yeah. the brush gets too thick. It's like wading through snowmen. <laughs> it's like rain. <wading> yeah, <laughs> who can grab at you? Yeah. Tiny snowmen who want to knock
1: you down the whole time. <laughs> um. Hold on, I want to go back to the point about it being double. Let me explain. Okay, not only are you going zigzagging,
0: right? Because we like, oh, you are going going counting you're, you're, the zig and the zag. You're
1: going away from camp to get to a pass, and then you go across a ridge, up over the you know the top of a you know small knoll to another pass to then go down. So you've got the zig and the zag. But then also you figure when you're going up. Like you said, like camp's only 20 feet over that pass, right? Because yeah. <laughs> you're at the top of the pass, and you're looking almost straight down at camp. And so that that um, linear distance, as the crow flies, is only whatever. What is it? 500 yards? 800 yards? Yeah. Right? Like you can make the shot with a rifle almost. Oh, it's like, so yeah, steep. You could, you're but you're actually going down twice that.
0: Yeah, yeah at the yeah. top of that peak that we had to go over, you're at 1550. And... Camps at three fifty, and you could definitely lob a twenty-two round down into your tent. Not lob; you could shoot a twenty-two round down into your tent from that peak. Yeah, because it's so steep.
3: Yeah, it's yeah.
1: it's is steep as you'd want to walk. Oh yeah, without ropes, probably forty-five degree. I'm just saying there's a lot of distance that's not accounted for when you talk about. I wasn't oh,
0: factoring yeah. in the zig. Or the Zag. I was factoring in just the, the, you know... Up and down. Yeah. Now, on a trail, you're going several miles an hour. A yeah. good hiker is covering a few miles an hour on a trail. So that's the thing. So anyways, we finally get, like, you can't hunt... This is a generalization. Generally, with notable exceptions, one cannot fly and hunt on the same day in Alaska um, because... It would encourage the practice of locating animals from the air, landing your plane, and shooting at them, which they don't typically want. And then the places where you can fly and hunt on the same day are places where that doesn't, where the quarry isn't really conducive to that kind of approach anyway. Like generally, like hunting blacktail deer, it just generally doesn't line out that you would like find a blacktail from your plane, land, and shoot it. They're just a different kind of critter in a different kind of habitat. Caribou, it would work out real well and you're not allowed to do it. You need to have a night pass, and you you hunt the next day. So we couldn't hunt the first day we landed. Not that we had any opportunities anyways. Then the next day was just fog, Um, and then we hiked up to a a spot where we could look down into a valley known to be frequented by elk, um, based off Remy's past experiences and and conversations with uh, pilots who fly over the area all the time. And then just walked up, said, wow, it's real foggy. Walked back down, soaked. Uh, the next day, walked up, said, wow, it's real foggy, and walked back down, soaked. Well, <laughs> The next that, day, walked up, said, wow, it's real foggy, and then we decided to hang out. Oh, that was the third day.
3: Yeah. Or yeah. what day was the day that we walked through the real brushy shit? That, that was, was the second day. Second day, yeah. Okay. That
0: was on our way up to see that it was foggy. Yeah. And the then second we walked up. That was the third day. We
2: flew. We hiked up to the top direct. Third day was the lake hike. Okay, yeah, so we stayed low and then
3: up. I'm just clarifying for my own mind. Fourth, fourth day, day we went straight day. up. Yeah,
0: and sad. Up. said, "Man, it's foggy. Let's but start a fire." You can see whisperings, whisperings of clearness. Yeah, coming and going. Devoted a lot of time to trying to start a fire. Put up some tarps to get out of the rain. And then all of a sudden, I would make like an angel noise, but it wasn't like an oh. angel-like clearing. It was like clouds would blow through we're saying fog you're not it's not fog it's rain you're in the clouds yeah, yeah. clouds rain you're in a cloud it's not you're fog. In a rain cloud white room yeah. you're just like up in a you're like in the thing when it's raining the thing that's the rain's falling out of you're standing in that thing yeah, yeah. the ceiling because fog sounds
3: nice this <laughs> is yeah yeah it's like you
0: you climb up into a cloud and then there's like rain around, happening around you everywhere.
4: it's like a garden hose with the mist setting on all the time yeah
0: exactly yeah but these clouds would blow and there'd be gaps between the clouds. And during the, the gaps between these clouds, we're looking down, and lo and behold, um two point four miles away, a bull is standing there, like kind of like sent from the heavens. And then the bull promptly vanishes and vanishes into a little thicket. And then we notice in a creek bed down below the bowl, we noticed what looks like two or three other elk that make a little, real quick appearance. And they were, they were quite a ways off. And so we started hoofing down toward these elk. Uh, travel that distance, which took a lot of time. So now it's already into the afternoon, right? Yeah. Late afternoon, no, and no time to stop for lunch.
3: Oh, that's right. We never did not oh, eat that. Yeah. Never, that's right. We never did ate. not even have time to
0: eat. Never have oh, yep. food. And find the bull that we saw. Find the bull that was sent from the heavens to walk out of a uh, to walk out of a, a alder patch and present himself for view. Find him bedded up on a little high spot, a little high grassy, a grassy knoll, grassy knoll, <laughs> and get a. And here in this area, it's like all grass, like kind of like waist high grass, some chest high grass, some knee high muck, and then here and there a big ass spruce tree. We get a big ass spruce tree between us and the bull, and the bull's laying there and lays there for a long time, right up until the point where we get about 300 yards away from it. And I'm getting ready to prop my rifle up and take a poke at him should he stand up. And he just walks and vanishes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Crazy. At this point, we start talking about how maybe it's getting a little late to be trying to do this. That was at like probably three thirty, four. Yeah, we're saying it might. We might, even though it's not dark, it might be getting into foolish territory. Mm-hmm. But continue on to be shooting because bullets. we have to remember <laughs>
3: we're still in that giant bear country. But we have yet to see a bear. Yeah,
0: evidence of bears. Like, bears walking, in. The lake we're camped on had 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 what seemed like must have been a pretty healthy sockeye run, just based on the amount of carcasses strewn around on the beach, some bears feeding on them. And while we were in there, there was a lot of steelhead in there and a lot of a, a lot of cohos or silvers are in there as well. And so you'd see some bear tracks uh, on the beach, and then you'd kind of stomp them out and find a new bear track on the beach. And... Uh, one day on one of the trails up by the pass, we had bear tracks on our tracks. So they're around. Yeah. But hadn't laid eyes on them. And, but you're you're aware of their presence, and you're mainly aware of their presence because your whole life you've been like hearing about Kodiak bears, right? The bad mofos who endorned the chew tin. Ursus. What would you say? Ursus. Arctos. Used to be Heribus. Heribus. So they, yeah, like, Lewis that and one. Clark goes Ursus Heribus. So they got tangled up with them a little bit. Yeah, they're right um now so we keep pressing on and kind of give up on the bull that we knew about remy ripped a few bugles did some cow call nothing in the world was going to stand that or we didn't know what he did he left laid down couldn't locate him couldn't find him
2: can i say something real please something that gave me a perspective on the like the height of the shit you're walking through was when that elk disappeared so it's like On any other hunt, you'll see an animal go into a small, like, timber stand or tree stand. You're like, yeah, of course it could disappear. This elk, which is massive, what, like... How many pounds? At re- least a thal- oh, thousand, around thousand.
0: We didn't cover that. We got okay. Oh, we didn't even answer your question. You're proving to be extremely yeah. valuable today. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> extremely <We never> <laughs> valuable. Whether they were larger. or not. Yeah. How yeah. Was gonna, yeah. But
2: so when this, so you're looking at this elk and you're like looking at the landscape and you're, it looks fairly close because it is two point four or whatever. And then actually, when it disappeared, we were 300 three hundred yards away. Yeah. And he literally. In what looks like you know like a pile of sticks, kn- <laughs> yeah, knee high bush. Anywhere else, totally vanishes, like ceases to exist. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Vanishes, like you guys are glass in that small chunk. I mean, it was a tiny area, not a sign of him.
0: No, nope. but then not. But I would say ceased to exist. But then all of a sudden he rematerialized later. In fact, had not ceased to exist. Yeah, he was had just-, just from our. Yeah, view perspective had just like was no longer on the earth. Yeah, was sucked up a phantom, a phantom, yeah. a
4: phantom elk.
0: Now, so to backtrack to Dirt's earlier point, Roosevelt has big <laughs> <laughs> Roosevelt elk are the biggest bodied of the elk. Yeah, but the biggest versions of Roosevelt oh, okay. elk are here. Correct? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes, they're the largest. So they are larger than
2: the their native. Yes, they Olympic have
0: place. bulls up there. Here, where we are right now, they have bulls. Or within a few miles where we are right now, they have bulls that have tipped the scales at one thousand three hundred pounds. Wow,
2: hmm, ridiculous.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's like when a you pack one on, on the giants, right? On the giants, like they're saying that when you pack one, you could be packing seven hundred pounds of meat and the boned the, out the skull and antlers. Yeah. Biggest of the big. Giant. Yeah. That'd be some that'd be some bone. Alaska oh, okay. game
1: of fish has seven hundred to eleven hundred on average for bulls, which is it's quite a span there.
3: And that's but that includes the other islands as well? Or is that just
1: Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, Raspberry. Because the ones on ras- raspberry are substantially and, uh, smaller edlin. I think. Are-
2: So Fognac has the largest of the large yes. Roosevelt elk.
0: Yeah, but you know, you get you know, these weights like they're varied, but as far as like finding the biggest, you know, if you were going to go out and have like a find the biggest bull thing, you'd go here and, and weigh all these bulls and you yeah. turn up the largest specimen. Um, So, so we ye- keep, yeah. And you just look at that. It, it's like, they're just stout, man, like stout. So we keep pressing along because up ahead of us, we, we got some cows. And then we hear a bugle rip out ahead of us. And normally when you're hunting elk, In most places in the Rockies or whatever, you'd hear a bugle rip out ahead of you and you'd sit there with your binoculars for a couple minutes. You'd be like, oh, there he is. But here, that ain't going to happen. And this mountain we're walking across the face of, there is, I'm not exaggerating, there is a full on balls out creek every (laughs) 30 (laughs) to 50 yards. Yeah. Yeah. And a creek. I don't understand
3: where it's coming from. (laughs) Yeah. And when you get to the creek, it is a I would say at least a chest to head high straight drop
0: with devil's club in the middle. <laughs> yeah, so it's like ranging from yeah, you're right, like ranging yeah. from a six to twelve foot goalie yeah. with a full on creek that you could like set up a grist mill in Yeah, every like I'm saying like, I don't where is the water coming from? It's coming from that cloud that sits on top of <laughs> the mountain like,
1: all day long <laughs> and all night long.
0: Yeah, he most even, days. Even trying to be like, yeah, so I'll be like, Tiana, so yeah, so you'll hit a spruce, then cross thirteen streams, <laughs> yeah. and the fourteenth will be in the fourteenth stream bed. Well, and that's like a, <laughs> a a function too of the, um,
1: uh, you know, which direction the face is pointing. Because I feel like on the other side of that it's drainage, not like that. it wasn't like that. But you you still have the same water. It just comes in the form of these like giant grassy, marshy meadows where the streams instead of being like that kind of cuddy canyon feel to them it's just like a stream that is just moving through grass and yeah yeah like it's
0: like an alluvial fan where you might hike across 200 yards of water from like the rock guard on your boot up to your ankle that's just kind of moving yeah across a a, a, yeah like an alluvial fan it
4: looks like just like a flooded field yeah. You're just walking in with like a flooded some field. slight there you go. current well irrigated
0: hayfield yeah. yeah but
4: with yeah with but some with, movement, current. with yeah. a
0: slight movement of the water um so we keep pressing along and we got these cows out ahead of us and at this point I'm having a lot of trepidation I'm like aware of the time I keep looking at my GPS being like no matter what happens this is going to turn into a late one mm-hmm. yeah and all of a sudden Remy spots Pretty incredible spot, yeah, eagle eye man. A real eagle eye spots a bedded one horned bull, and what he spots is the antler. The so tip. he spots a single antler, <laughs> a fork, <laughs> a, a fork in a pile of, of branches. branches. Yeah, yeah. the in look, a pile I of fork. C- c- kinda couldn't believe it. Once you like learning what you're looking at, I'm like, cow, that was a good spot. Laying down, he's got one six point main one main beam with six points on it. And the way these elk look, they, they kind of, if you're familiar with a red deer where they get the crowns on top, the way these elk antlers look, they're so compact that they get like a red deerish quality to, you'll yeah. get like a little three-point crown on top. So he's got like a, a main beam that comes out of a base that's bigger than a beer can. Yeah. And the, I think the way their antlers grow is just a
3: function of their size. They're so big and they've got so much weight that when they fight, you know they need stout antlers uh, at the yeah. base to keep from breaking off. Yeah. So the bulls that have the bigger bases and the heavier antlers are going to be the ones that can plow through. The and other fight,
0: elk and fight. And they fight do fight. They do. So we we wound up seeing three bulls. All we saw three bulls <laughs> like, broken antlers. Yeah. Like, like I think we snapped. saw more bulls who are missing. So this dude did bust up. So so the way these antlers work is like it's way bigger than a beer can when it grows out of his head, but then the eye guard. Is sort of mashed down into the base as well. So it's like the eye guard seems to almost kind of come out of the base rather than having like a chunk that you kind of put your hand around and then the eye guard. It's like the eye guard and the base are kind of mashed together. And it's this really like thick, stout antler with very short tines coming out of it. So he's got an eye guard, then two tines then like a three tined crown coming out of the top. And the whole thing, the, the whole, I mean, the whole main beam isn't three feet long.
3: No. Yeah, probably.
0: Short, crazy-looking little antler, yeah. um, and then one of them he just snapped off above his eye guard. The thinnest spot is snapped off on it, but he's laying there, kind of unaware of us, but facing us, and kind of mess around. And I'm like trying to get lined out on a shot, but he's like facing us too much. Now, one time years ago, hunting with Ryan Callahan, I took a dead-on shot on a bull moose like a brisket shot which would just devastate a deer right basically that's the little colic that forms on their chest you know and i hit that and it just wasn't a lethal shot on a moose just too much meat and bone and whatnot and uh i was lined up on them and i had some sticks in the way remy had a clear angle i moved over you called that the bull a little bit to try to. I was trying to get you to get it to not run, run off because off, run off, yeah. he was becoming aware of our presence. He knew we were there. Stood up. Eventually, he turned enough where I could snake one in on a like a quartering a steep quartering to a shot, mm-hmm. and and that shot would have done would have done the trick. Uh, I, I you know after an autopsy, I realized that, that shot would have eventually it would have done the trick probably within some number of yards, but he spun started running, and I hit another one that shattered his front leg, but he already had his lung shot out. And he then tumbled down into one of the deeper (laughs) creeks and landed smack ass in the water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and Like in the water. Formed a small dam. Yes. Yeah. And formed an impound. When he hit the water, he formed an impoundment.
3: This creek is how far down from probably – 30? 30 feet. Yeah, 30 feet. 30 feet and probably only 10 feet wide. Oh, yeah, maybe. That's how steep it was. And there's a waterfall just behind him. Yeah, yeah.
0: picturesque.
3: Yeah, very, very steep canyon. The worst place he probably could have fallen
0: on that hill. Dude, and the minute that happened and the minute I walked over there, you know, it's like if something's going to be, you know, it wasn't even like celebratory because you're kind of like, oh, man, it is getting late. Yeah. And we are a five-hour walk from camp, and it's in already like it's evening. Yeah, yeah, it's evening now. Such a big body too. Yeah, I want to remind yeah. listeners that this turns into a grizzly bear story, or this turns into a brown bear story. Um, so we start cutting on it, and Remy pointed out that he did kind of like having the elk laying in a creek because it was easy, to, very easy to keep things clean. You would make a cut, and you'd be like, "Oh man, there's some hair on my knife." Then you just like hold your knife in the creek, <laughs> or like, Everything was like looked licked clean. Yeah, at the kill site, but um, there was no way to like move it around and maneuver. You just had to start working at what was exposed. So we pulled the, you know, s- skinned it down the spine, worked a hide off, got a back leg off, got a shoulder off, got a backstrap off. Boned out the ribs with the gut still in the thing, boned out the neck, removed the head, got a tenderloin out with the gut still in the thing, got it rolled over. Um, and these are hundred pound quarters, probably. Yeah, the shoulders probably not, but I think the back legs. I were, think I, yeah, the the quarters
3: of the front shoulders, I would say, were very similar to a back quarter of a average size Rocky Mountain elk
0: yeah and i think the back legs were like borderline like moose legs like probably yeah. 100 pounders Yeah. when you say yanni yeah very hard to very, pick up. yeah so then we got the, the whole thing rolled over are you are you still conducting fact checking mm-hmm. oh really what's what's uh what's 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 what are you on
1: well i'm going through uh remember when we had uh we did the uh five questions from frank van mannen um talking about grizzly bear okay uh so I just pulled that up; it was just refreshing. So, because I know we're gonna probably talk about numbers, about uh, how many exist in the world—two hundred thousand. Oh no, the like percentages of bear spray versus firearms and that sort of stuff. Oh yeah, all
0: that, all that stuff that I now know to be. <laughs> <not>. <laughs> so, um, flipped it over, did the same thing all over again. Did you guys see the the? battle wounds on the first side or the second oh side? that's what i want to talk about well i was talking about he's a fighter yeah, fighter so on his, like everywhere on him is bruises and it, like where he fell it wasn't rocky so like he didn't get bruised up in his he he no, took these quite a old, tumble old
3: old battle scars some everywhere. scar tissue some Neck, yellow bruising bruising
0: on his ribs and keep in mind he had that broken antler he didn't break that antler like you know no. thrash and brush i was gonna make a point too about the broken antlers uh, you see a
1: lot of broken tines in a lot of places, right? Like where mm-hmm. I've guided, um, where Remy's guided, you probably see yeah, broken, broken tines, tines compared to broken main beams is probably, I don't know, 100 to 1. Mm-hmm. It could be. Everyone we saw was
0: broken main Base. beams. Yeah. Now there's competing, I think there's competing um, theories on why some areas have a lot of broken why elk in some areas have a lot of broken antlers. And I'm sure that there's someone that knows the proper answer. Maybe not. I've heard that it has to do with mineral quality, that some elk antlers are inherently weaker. Some Elk in some areas produce a weaker antler because of mineral quality in the soils. And I've heard that it's a function of, and Remy shared this one with me, that he believes... a a better explanation is that it's more of a function of cow to bull ratios
3: yeah that they that
0: that the amount of time
3: spent fighting to breed
0: yeah in areas where you got you know 10 cows for every bull a bull is able to stay out of skirmishes but in these areas where you have high bull to cow ratios they're spending more time in the dominant struggles and they're just breaking more antlers yeah. I feel like that's the accepted theory down in Arizona. That's the, theory, in, the, in, the bad in the trophy are. units yeah. is
1: that they just they're managed very well for a, you know, equal bull to cow ratio and the bulls just have to do a lot more fighting yeah.
3: cuz you go to a neighboring unit that's got the same terrain and everything but just managed different, not as many broken
0: antlers. Yeah. Cuz of the 3 Fs, fishing, fighting, right? Yeah. Uh they're not they don't do one of them. They don't don't fish, fish. but they spend more. They they're able to devote more of that energy to the one after the other. Yeah. Uh, So, where was I? Oh, the hole in his the hole in his rear ham. He had I'm skinning his rear ham, and I'm like, oh, someone like I must have shot a third time that I forgot about because he has a large wound on his rear ham. But when you skin the hide back, it's like a, a perfect inch diameter hole punched through his hide. Where a tine punched through his hide, and then went into his rear ham several inches. Yeah, and it was just an infected mess. Mm-hmm. Just beat up. Yeah, he should take up fishing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so he probably do pretty good fishing yeah. around there. Um, so that was weird. Trim that all out. So now, now we're entering like so. So so here you are. You got uh we got six guys because you know me and remy and then we we have our crew guys and 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 a a perk and liability of this line of work is that you get when you come out like crew guys get equal cut of all the meat if they want it um but they also carry it would we share if they didn't carry I wouldn't expect it
1: to be shared I, yeah, if I didn't I carry I also
4: wouldn't want, like, i We feel would, bad. but
1: maybe not as much. Because we share with the office crew as yeah. well. Not on this one.
0: No. So when, <laughs> you, when you carry, do you feel, uh, you're carrying your one-sixth portion. Yeah, when you, yeah. so Ridge, when you carry elk, or when you pack meat, do you feel like I'm packing meat in order to get some, or are you like, I'm packing meat just because this is a sucky thing that needs to happen?
4: A little bit of both. I like if I'm thinking I'm going to take any home. I'm not just going to watch you guys carry a bunch of weight in some shitty terrain. I want to like help out. But you guys already have a ton of gear with you. Yeah, and it and when we do get strapped up with me, well, at least me. Garrett's kind of a superhuman dude, so he can still charge (laughs) up hills. But it makes me a little slower, so I can't like run out and get all the shots that I normally do when we're on we're unloaded. But I just like especially this one I just would I just couldn't sit and like hike out with an empty pack cuz we we're in a we we're in like a like just kind of an uncomfortable situation yeah. yeah
0: so we got all this meat and we know that um because we're going to be hiking in the ground so bad like it, the walking is so difficult that and it's already and it's dark out now that we know we're not going to even though there's six of us and six people can carry like trail hiking six people can absolutely move a normal elk with like not that big of a deal, really. Like if you just like go out hit a trail, walk for a few miles, you just pick the whole thing up and go. But and this is kind of out of the question because we have so much vertical to gain and lose. We're not on any kind of a trail for the bulk of it,
3: and we have a very large patch of brush. We should also mention at this point, when the last meat went in the bag, it is pitch black. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Headlamp. Important.
0: Yeah. Oh, pitch. Yeah, pitch black. Yeah. So the first thing we need to do is go earlier i was mentioning how now and then there's a big ass spruce we had before it got dark identified a spruce tree that would be adequate to get whatever meat we couldn't carry up into the tree and this spruce was directly uphill from us so we get done butchering the elk and the first step is to because now it's dark and you got to. A nice gutty smell blowing everywhere. The first step is to try to get some separation of the meat and the guts. Thinking that when a bear or any kind of predator really comes in and claims a kill site, they I'm anthropomorphizing a little teeny bit, but probably not too much. They know that they might lose it to the next thing up. Okay, so you find a kill and you don't. You can't just assume that it's yours for the next five days. So what things generally do is devour soft tissue because you can just wolf it down. It's high-calorie food, and they'll come in and mop up. Like, the liver goes quickly, the lungs, just anything you can just soup right up. It doesn't take a lot of work. They like to get on that stuff first. So the general thinking in bear country is if you remove your your meat, like your bone-in quarters or whatever... Remove them from the guts. There's a chance that a bear is going to come in and the first thing he's going to do is claim the thing with the the soft tissue, the greatest amount of smell, all the blood. He's going to pick that. And you might grease off with your meat if it's separate. So we move all of our meat, not far, but out of the gully up onto a little grass, another grassy knoll. And then we take half of it, load our backpacks with half of it, And hike that up to a big spruce tree. Yeah. And hang half of that up in a spruce about probably 12 to 13 feet up in a spruce tree. With
3: the theory that nothing can get it.
0: Yeah. Mature grit, like cubs, brown bear cubs can climb a tree. But eventually, you know... A distinguishing feature, a morphological difference between black bears and brown bears is that black bears have a short, hooked claw. Grizzlies have a long, relatively straight, more sickle-shaped claw. And as a grizzly gets big and heavy, those claws, the way they're long and straight, those claws do not lend themselves to climbing. They're more for digging. Yeah, they got a digging claw. They spend a lot more time flipping rocks, digging roots. It's just their, their food resources are used differently. They tend to live in more open country, can live quite happily in a total absence of trees. You do not find black bears in the absence of trees. The old adage
3: is to tell a difference between a black bear and a grizzly is... The bear climbs up a tree and eats
0: you, it's a black bear. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting thing to bring up. In these in, in coastal Alaska, the islands, there are some minor exceptions to this, but this is a this is generally true. It's a true it's a truism. The islands either have black bears or grizzlies. So Prince of Wales Island is a black bear island, right? Admiralty Island, north of there, is a grizzly bear island. They don't commingle on islands. If it's suitable habitat, I keep saying, grizzly. if it's suitable habitat for a brown bear, that's who's going to live there. If it's black bears on an island, it's because it's not suitable habitat for brown bears. If it's not suitable habitat for brown bears, it's probably all heavily timbered and there's no open country and they tend to like open country. Yeah. They use it better. So we get it up in a tree because he's not going to be able to climb the damn tree and get the meat out. Then we go back down to by the kill site. Get all of our meat and start hiking at 10.30 p.m. Pay attention here, because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever, and you weigh your options, like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care, and sit in a room full of six sick folks, or you... Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health/meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at TWC.health slash meat eater. The single most valuable tool I have for chasing turkeys next to my scattergun is the Onyx Hunt app. If I'm hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. If I'm not hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. I'm always using Onyx. I live by that stuff. I can't tell you the number of birds this app has put me on by allowing me to easily find new areas to hunt. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. Even properties I know super well. I'm at my buddy Bubbly Doug's house. I'm using OnX, and I've hunted this place a million times. With their compass mode, I can pinpoint exactly on the map where a gobble rang out from and then figure out the perfect spot to set up. Meaning, if I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at Bubbly Doug's I'm in the navel, and I hear, pow, I'll like instinctively pull up Bubbly Doug's place on OnX, and I'll look at the topography, and I'll be like, oh, that sucker must be over in that little opening over there. Waypoints also, and the ability to share them. Okay, comes in handy every spring. Whether that's revisiting old waypoints where I've been on birds before, or sharing them to buddies to help put them on birds, this app will help you find more turkeys. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you too. Use code Meat Eater to receive twenty percent off your membership at OnXMaps.com/hunt and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Get to our camp at 3.30 a.m. Yep. Eat some freeze-dry. Go to bed about 4.30 a.m. Fairly exhausting yeah <laughs> tuckered, out. tuckered out it was a full day
3: full yeah. tuckered full, day full on tuckered
0: yeah now by the time you get like a reasonable amount of sleep and also then wake up and regroup like you got a mess right you got stuff to clean up we had to get the meat we brought home um get it you know get it situated in the way that we're happy with we put it inside a hot wire we have like a little portable hot wire fence we put the meat inside there but we, the next day we wanted to establish Another hot wire fence that wasn't the same hot wire fence that contained our tents. Get the meat out of the ground in another tree. So originally, like, the night we got back all late at night, we put the meat inside the hot wire fence that also contained tents. And the next day, we wanted to get it up in a tree where it could breathe out and be up in the breeze and have its own containment hot wire fence around it. Um, Did all that. Had some show business stuff to take care of. Oh, while we're Had a talking, bunch of fish catching to do. What's while that? While we're
1: talking meat, though, because it might be hard to come back to it, but uh, since you guys dropped it off, here. You got yes, your mouth. Do you
0: see something? <laughs> oh no, I thought you were chewing. I have teeth and I thought tongue. you were chewing on like some hard candy or something, which mm-hmm. I thought was disrespectful.
1: <laughs> I do have a little uh, pith stuck between Just a couple of teeth. Pith. Okay, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. Um, But, uh because we the meat hung for what was it three days four days and we were a little bit worried about the condition of the meat but you guys took it to the processor and I'm guessing got to handle it and look at it and smell it how was it did good it, did it fare well
0: they thought it looked good I thought it looked good what 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 yeah see now we're man talk about that was a way out of order uh that was a way out of order thing to bring up looked fine looked okay. fine. Yeah, you know, it does, it's not cold here. It's like, it's not like a normal, you know, I mean, no. you're in a coastal environment here and it's like always cold, but never cold, cold. Yeah, not, I don't think it ever got below 40. Yeah, not great meat hanging weather. And when it's real wet, it's all this rain, right? So it's a lot of rain and never real cold. So when we got back, uh, flew out and got back to town, first order business was trying to find some place to, that we could get our meat chilled off because it was already borderline and a thing that there's like a smell that that like bloody game bags wet bloody game bags take on a smell that is like a not a good smell and it's a precursor to smells you don't want to smell but it's not in and of itself a bad smell but it's an indicator of bad things could happen soon smell it's a little off-putting we were in the bad things could happen soon smell phase from having the meat not being able to dry out because of the rain,
4: yeah, everything's
0: wet, like forty degrees, like and it was in a creek too, so like nothing ever had a chance to dry out, no, but yeah, everything's fine. it looked good, they thought it looked good too. yeah, we paid some boys to uh I like that dude's hat retired drug dealer. We paid some <laughs> boys to uh to uh, uh process and freeze our our thing for us, but to get back to where I was, caught some fish.
2: Um how did we know the uh, the bear fence was hot? Is there a test or something?
0: Yeah, I hold the <laughs> I touch the wire and then see what and then I gauge what kind of jolt it gives me and whether I'm not satisfied with the jolt. Whether I feel that it would be a deterrent or not. Um and I was satisfied with that fence. Point being, the point of all this being, we don't strike off to the hanging tree. You ever hear that Bob Mould song, Hanging Tree? Should I throw myself from the hanging tree? You don't know that one? Oh, that's a story we ought to tell sometime, that story about that dude. Did we ever tell this story? The guy, the spurned lover. What's that bighorn sheep hunting area that that dude, Tristan, used to guide in? His name
1: wasn't Tristan,
0: was it? No, it wasn't. He looked like Tristan. <laughs> he looked like a dude named Tristan <laughs> no, from Legends of the Fall, yeah. but his name wasn't Tristan. <laughs> Long hair, leather cowboy hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Aaron. Aaron, thank you. Do yeah. you remember the story he told us? Yeah. So he used to guide Bighorn Sheep in BC. Yeah, in the Mackenzies. Mm, yeah, but it had a name. It's like the blank. Yeah. What's a Bighorn area
3: up there, Remy? Like Rocky Bighorns? Yeah. Um, the
0: in B.C. or Alberta? Could be Alberta. The Alberta-B.C. line. Uh, is it It's the, a W word. White? No. Oh, I would think like the Canmore. Whitmore. Whittmore. The Canmore. It was
4: the Whitmore. The Whitmore. I remember Whitmore. that because I was it? on that trip in there. Yeah. It's an area. I think maybe an area called the Whitmore. Yeah.
0: But anyways, you're south of Stone Sheep Country, in Bighorn Sheep Country. And I think the spine of that the spine of that range is the B.C. Alberta line. Yanni will look it up. The Whitmore, Windmore, Wilmore. Will more, maybe, uh So just quick digression. This is an interesting story. There's a guy that the outfitter he used to work for used to have a horse packer and the horse packer was in camp with his girlfriend. Okay. And the horse packer and the girlfriend get in a fight. He grabs a hunk of rope, walks off in a huff, never to be seen again. It became like a mystery. Years later, someone is dicking around in that area and finds a skull and spinal column hanging from a rope. What? Mm -hmm. They
2: they obviously searched for him when he huffed off. Searched
0: for him when he huffed off, but could never find him. Wow. Was assumed dead. Bad argument. Someone finds a skull and a chunk of spine hanging from a rope from a tree and... They excavate the ground beneath them, and are able to match up his buckles from his boots and his rivets and stuff from his jeans with what he was wearing when he vanished. So anyhow, (laughs) the next day we go back to find our way back.
1: It should be be mentioned that the rest day was a glorious, glorious day. Beautiful. Drying drying
2: out out, clothes. Only day of the whole trip that was... Bluebird drying out
3: clothes, but the sun hooking fish was like nobody's high business enough in the
2: sky to actually be. Yeah, never dry direct your, sun. Yeah. Always indirect sun. I got a bath and it was warm
4: enough. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Dirt showered in the creek. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I was jealous, but yeah, the sun went from peak to peak mm-hmm. on the same ridge.
0: All right. <laughs> so the next day we wake up bright and early and strike off for the hanging tree. Um takes us, I think, uh, th- we had a better route. It took us four hours to get to the hanging tree. Now, approaching the kill site, we, the kill site's about 100 yards up a small tributary from the main stem creek of the valley. We approach the kill site from across the main stem to get eye level with the carcass, which is laying down in a tributary on the other side of the main stem from us. And we're able to get a gander in there and see that at least the carcass has not been moved, right? And think of me, if a bear had claimed it quickly, he probably would have drug it off and buried it. It would look different. There's a bunch of magpies in there. And a lot of magpies making a lot of racket, right? That helps alert You know, predators to something good going on. They they feed off that information, but the carcass is there where we left it, seemingly undisturbed. But we still pick a route that goes clear of the carcass up toward the hanging tree. Now, when we get up by the hanging tree, we do a number of things. Uh, We got pepper spray drawn. Was your pistol drawn? Pistol was drawn. Yeah. Yep. Pistols out, pepper spray out, Hollering. making a lot of noise. Yelling the whole way up. I was yelling to him that I got some spice <laughs> for that meat that he ain't gonna like. Cause I had my pepper spray out. <laughs> and then we were gonna we told him too that it was if if he did like it, it was gonna be followed up with some lead chasers. So we're being very intimidating. <laughs> in hooting and hollering and yelling. We have not seen anything, though. We've No evidence bears, to think anything no is wrong. No.
3: And we glassed that hanging tree, or at least I glassed that hanging tree I glassed the tree, too. The I glassed
0: visit. it until I could account for everything that was supposed to be in that hanging tree. <clears throat> yeah. So at that point, we've done everything as good as we could do. Now, there's some hindsight issues. No, <laughs> No, no, okay. From that point, the one mistake i would say but there wasn't an option the one mistake is the hanging tree is surrounded by very thick brush
4: yes but there were no other there was no clear hanging tree how big do you think like the diameter around the tree was clearing yeah like around like from the base of the tree to the like circle of brush
0: i would say it was a from the tree it was a radius of maybe 15 feet yeah, 15, 20. Basically, the canopy of the tree. Yeah. It was a heavy, thick enough tree. and elk must take shade under there when it's sunny, like like it ever gets sunny. It must get because there was, I noticed when we were in there in the dark, there's a lot of elk shit and bedding, bedding depressions under that tree. So on a hot day, they must like to get under there, same Hang way out. cattle will do, and get under there and bed up in the shade of that tree. I noticed that. So in hindsight, it was a a shitty hanging tree, but there wasn't, like, a good version, right? Correct. It was was a bad choice among bad choices.
1: Yeah, you could only have the foresight having, I think, been there before to, like, as you pull the trigger and you watch your elk die in the daylight at that moment to then do a 360-degree scan and make a waypoint on the best hanging tree. And we did that. We did. That was the best. Me and Remy argued about the best
0: hanging tree. Yeah. Yeah. But our argument wasn't based on. This. Clearing. Our argument was based on. Proximity? No. It was based on. Routes out. I was going for a tree in an area that I knew sucked for travel, a side of the drainage that I knew was sucked for travel, but it was a known suck. Yeah. Remy was saying, let's go across. It can't be worse. Because right. I've traveled across. And he's like, "It's there are parts that are better. And I said, because it's dark, because we're loaded out heavy, I think we should go for the known suck instead of that. In hindsight, that would have, his tree would have been a better tree.
1: Yeah. So you guys didn't really consider the whole like open. We were not talking about visibility under the hanging tree.
0: Yeah.
3: But either side would have been the same visibility. Uh, yeah, both, yes. and, both. Both alder and in alder.
0: Alder hell holes with lots of gullies. So now here's where things, here's where mistakes start getting made. I get up to the hanging tree and I notice a smashed, I notice a smeared bear shit. And do you remember, does anybody remember me getting down on my knees to examine that shit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I would, I, I my initial thought was that it looked like a of shit that was smeared from a bear, a bear track smeared shit. And I got down to examine it, and I'm like, I don't remember that being there, but
2: it was nighttime.
0: But it was like nighttime, and it looked like a boot. Then I was like, it must be a boot smeared it, because it was. All smeared out. And I was like, we were stomping all around in here. We must have smeared that bear shit. And it was a salmon-fueled bear shit. It was like that gray mush shit from when they are feeding on salmon, it looked like. And it was smashed. And I looked at that and was like, is that a boot or a bear track smeared that? And then I looked at the tree. And a lot of the stuff was hung up with paracord. And I looked, in the tree, there's like no scratching... On the tree. No sign of disturbance. And also, if something was in there really like trying to climb that tree, I felt that he might have actually like busted some of the pieces of paracord in trying to like reach around and do all of his business up there. And I just saw no other evidence except that smeared chip. So then we make a giant mistake and decide to sit down and have some sandwiches. And we had a, a MSR stove with us. At a pot. And I remember the pot got passed around, and everybody was, who wanted a quick uh, Starbucks via was supposed to throw in a small amount of water into the pot. Mm-hmm. I dumped half my water bottle into the pot. And there was like a little excavation dugout. And I was sitting by that excavation dugout, and there's six of us huddled on one side of the tree in a space, seeing about like what we're in now.
3: And during this. During this, packs came off. Packs came off.
4: You Pepper know, spray I, is I on. I set pack my pack waist. in
3: one area. Then I got up to grab the pot. Somebody had sat. So now people are actually sitting by packs that aren't there. So my pack is now across from us, which mm-hmm. has our mm-hmm. my personal bear deterrent a pistol and a bear spray. My pack's pack is leaning against the hanging tree. Your pack is leaning against the hanging tree because then you moved into my. So we're kind of we did this weird shuffle where nobody was near their own pack. Yep. The way that we sat, but still
0: tight. <laughs> we're configured tight. roughly like people in a living room around a coffee table, for instance. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe even a tad tighter than that. I gotta say too, we were
2: pretty whooped on the hiking, and that was a great spot, taking away any risk of
4: brown oh, bear. Perfect chill spot. Yeah, dude. If you were to eat a sandwich. That's the spot. Drink some coffee. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was like it was nice. Yeah.
4: It was like walking into a nice bed. Yeah. I have thought about lighting a fire for no reason. <laughs> Just to, it. Just, it Just to so warm up. It was so nice we under that tree. Yeah. It was so
0: nice under that tree. The first post-hanging tree selection mistake that we made was that we got under the hanging tree and decided to linger unnecessarily long and let our guard down. Yes. What we did that caused us to linger unnecessarily long, let our guard down, and divorce us from our deterrence, being pistols and spray, was the idea that we would have some sandwiches. Yeah. (laughs) They would sit down (laughs) and some coffee. So, our desire to have sandwiches in an idyllic setting, in the relief of having not had our kill site claimed by a bear, which the Alaska Department of Fish and Game says often happens on the first night, but we had allowed a night and a half
4: to pass. And to be fair to us, how long was the hike... (laughs) Into the yeah. hanging four hours. Hours? four hours. Yeah, so a four hour hike up and then down and through thick Shit. country. And, and 1.5 5 five night nights have passed. And 1.5 nights have passed. So we got there, we were all pretty hungry. And it was like,
0: thank God a bear isn't here.
4: Yeah. Yeah, that's how I felt.
0: Because yeah. based on my hasty bit of sign reading, backed up by Remy's hasty bit of sign who reading, who also said, oh, looks like a bear had been here. You said, it looks like after, a bear. Because I came up. A
3: little bit later, but well, you must not have felt the I felt, same as I me. Felt the same as you is that like, it, we trampled it. But I, I that's why I looked at you and said it like, "Oh, did you step?" You know, like
0: was this? But I got yet? down on
3: my knees to examine. And, it. But I wasn't there for that. Yeah, I didn't and know I
0: it. did a faulty read on that. I'm taking full blame on sign reading faultiness. I saw what I wanted to see, not what was there. Yeah.
3: Right. right.
0: Second mistake was. I and others did not say, let's get while the getting's good. Not that that would have, it wouldn't have mattered. Wouldn't have no, mattered. No. Wouldn't have mattered because it could have been worse. Now, Now we can look and be like, it couldn't have been any better. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. The, yeah. Every option from here on out is like, it could have been worse. There's no way it could have been better. Likely that 100%. Would have been because of what I'm going to explain happened. Because our, our act of eating sandwiches
3: just... The only the mistake of the eating the sandwiches was us letting our guard down. But when we got to the tree, our guard would have down, been down regardless. Yes, our packs would have been off. We would have been in disarray, packing up meat. Yeah. So there's
0: and, dis- and maybe potentially film. More, distracted more distracted by out. climbing and lowering stuff down. Distracted out of the tree and spread out and filming. And Instead, filming. we were clustered taking a break. <clears throat> yeah. So I get my sandwich. Pat makes me a sandwich that is just. I had come off the heels of having had a bad sandwich.
5: Not Th- just me though. This was Garrett and Chris helped out with these sandwiches. So Pat had made <laughs> me a really bad sandwich
0: a couple of days before, and I was Not saying bad, to him, "Dry, dry a very try. dry sandwich." And I was, and I reprimanded him and and, and told him as much. And told him that when I send the pros and cons, this is going down as a bad sandwich. <laughs> he send he hands over a spectacular sandwich, best sandwich <laughs> of, Sand- of the week,
3: like sandwich pastrami, chipotle from mayo, from me
0: me. heavily mailed. <laughs> yeah, honey ma- great great top. sandwich,
3: yeah. lots of meat. Well,
0: did you have the, 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 the did you have the stove fired up? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Stove yeah. Was, it was running
1: this whole time.
0: And three, three. I was eating my sandwich, and some folks were commenting on why was my sandwich so nice. <laughs> yeah.
1: That was Remy and I. Yeah, we well, we're, were looking at that sandwich. I noticed him actually looking enemy. at your sandwich. I'm like, I've been looking at that <laughs> damn sandwich, too. I'm looking
3: at his sandwich, looking at my sandwich, and looking at the meat that
0: was still in the bag, thinking,
3: you know why what? Isn't- this is bullshit. Yeah. I,
0: and I was just opening my mouth and beginning to form a sentence to the effect of, Kiss my ass on the sandwich issue.
3: <laughs> because you didn't see
0: my sandwich last time I had a sandwich. When all of a sudden there was like, well Pat. Yeah. Well, just, stop. Sorry. All right? <laughs> Go. Steve will not I be do this for interrupted. Real, I no, not that I won't be interrupted. I'm like like you act like I that I'm, that I'm not going through this in a way
1: that makes sense to me. I think that there is tension in the room. I'm looking around, and I'm seeing what I believe to be sweaty palms and people gripping their shirt tails. PTSD. You know what I want to do? I you know what I want to do? That's what's causing I want to have maybe. someone.
0: No, I don't, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this, but I, I, I have a slight feeling of wanting to have someone else run point No, on nope. explaining how this went.
1: I was actually going to recommend that you – Tell the whole story from beginning to end. That's not how I'm going to do. Without it. Without anyone else. That's not what yeah. going to do. Adding in, and then we can autopsy
0: it. This is all thought out. How how I feel that this should be approached, unless someone else has really sat down and thought it out. Not me.
4: I'm blocking Dude, I'm just it out, been reliving bro. the experience, not thinking about how to tell people. I mean, about has it. there
0: we've taken people from the Pleistocene epic up into the sandwich making, <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like like, I don't know that big mistakes have been made, no, oh man, none. keep it going, Solid. keep it going. My apologies. you're doing great, yeah, I register an explosion of holy shitness. Now over to Pat. Because Pat is the first person. <laughs> Pat, what was the first thing so, amid the sandwich making, what was the first uh, thing so, that
5: happened? So I'm listening to everybody you know, praise me for the sandwiches and criticizing uh, you for and sandwiches. Pat. For sandwiches. <laughs> and uh, and I'm sitting here enjoying my own pastrami sandwich and thinking how, how wonderful that pastrami tastes in my mouth. Uh-huh. And I hear off to my right, some panting, some deep, you know, guttural breathing. Can you, can you mimic it? Uh, It sounded a lot like a dog panting at first, like from far away, like, <laughs> and just kept getting a little louder, a little, little uh, deeper and scarier sounding. Sounded angry, too. And at first it seemed fake, because I was like, no, no way this is
0: happening. There's no way when a bear attacks you, he actually makes such a nasty yeah, sound. Yeah, well, <laughs> and there's
5: there's no way, like, a bear is actually going to, like, run up and attack us right now. That's just <laughs> that's just crazy. Because we're, we're only sitting under 300 and, pounds of hanging well, meat. <laughs> I mean, it could happen, but you never expect that to actually happen to you. Yeah, you know? and I'm, with, I'm tracking. And, uh, and I, I mean, it was something I was, like, prepared for on this trip, you know? We knew there was going to be big bears out there. We knew there's potential, but you never actually expect to be, like, straight up attacked by a brown bear. And so I'm sitting there. I hear these noises, and it just, like, it's like, okay, this is happening. I, th- I think I was the first person to say something like, oh, my God, what's that noise? And then all of a sudden, within two seconds,
0: there's a bear on top of us. All right, man. I hate to do this to you. I know that you are on the edge of your seat waiting to hear what happens when the brown bear that we've been alluding to enters this story. It is worth your wait. It's what I'm doing to you right now is awful. It's terrible. If a man did this to me, I would punch him. But I'm doing it to you. You're going to have to tune in next week on the meat eater podcast to hear the final culmination the resolution of the afognack island brown bear attack charge mayhem story <sighs> now it's more like <sighs>
1: with a little bit of
0: <sighs> with a little bit of <sighs> Panting. And then sometimes, not this time, but sometimes you also get this little treat. Right. We didn't get that this time. No. Tune in next week. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. It is a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that they need, and that meets them where they are and helps them get through challenges. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible. It's simple to use. You can connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P.com. Hey, it's Steve here. Are you serious about hunting or self-defense? Well, starting in 1996, XS Sights took proven dot-the-eye sight pictures from firearms used on African safaris and applied that methodology to modern defensive handguns, all made in America and trusted by industry leaders. Meat Eater listeners can get an exclusive discount on the XS Sites website. So just go to XSSites.com and use code MEATEATER at checkout for 25% off. XS Sites, the fastest sites in any light.